You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus is blasting away at us in the Gospel text this morning. These words first preached in the Sermon on the Mount, but they ring as true today as they did then because every single one of us in one way or another wants to be a Pharisee. When we see the scribes there and the Pharisees gathered to hear Jesus, we want to boo and hiss. We know that, we know that they're the bad guys, right? Since, since we were children, we heard about this in Sunday school. How the Pharisees hated Jesus. How they fought against Him how they thought that they had earned their own way into God's pleasure by their works and by their righteousness. But look, if we were there on that day when Jesus first preached this sermon, if we were walking around, you would, all of us, would admire these Pharisees. And these Pharisees were good people. By all accounts, they were outwardly righteous. If you, were, if you found yourself walking down a dark alley in Jerusalem one night, you would be glad if you saw a Pharisee walking along. Now, no doubt, no doubt, some of the Pharisees were corrupt. uh, Luke makes a note that they were lovers of money, and this is a corrupting uh, factor. But in general, the Pharisees were the guys that you hoped your daughter would date. You see? This is how to understand them. They were educated. They were godly. They were clean. They were always washing everything. Remember, that's the Pharisee thing. They were often wealthy. They had good jobs. The people respected the Pharisees, and they should have. If you then were talking about righteousness in the days of our Lord Jesus, you were probably talking about the Pharisees. Their entire existence was built around this, about being righteous and being holy. Now, we know, as we look back on this, that the Pharisees had added to the laws that were given by Moses. They had totaled up the laws that were in the Torah, and they had added them up to 316 And then they came and added their own, a hedge around the law, further instructions to make sure that they didn't even get close to breaking the law. And we look at this and we balk. Look how hard the Pharisees are making things. How complicated. Look at how they're adding to the Scriptures. We think, this is our temptation when it comes to the Pharisees, we think that God, with Moses and the Ten Commandments, set the bar about this high, And the Pharisees came along and raised the bar with all their extra rules. But still we're impressed by them. The people were impressed by this relentless effort of the Pharisees to be righteous. Now, with this in mind, imagine the reaction of the people when Jesus comes along and says this, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What? They would have said. And imagine how it was for the scribes and Pharisees to hear this. What did Jesus just say? We we thought that their standard was so high that hardly anyone could attain it. And Jesus says, you have to be more righteous? If that's the standard, well then who can get in? But with these words, dear saints, Jesus is pulling the mask off of legalism. He's showing us that it's a big trick. 
You see, the Pharisees had not really made the law more difficult, but they had, in fact, made the law easier to keep. All of the extra laws of the Pharisees were not adding more, but were, in fact, taking away. They were lowering the bar. They were making the law difficult, doable. Difficult, yes, but they could accomplish it. Consider this. The Scriptures say, the law says, that we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Pharisee says, you should not walk more than 100 steps on a Saturday. (laughs) Now, which of these can you do? It might be a hassle to count your steps every Saturday, but you could manage it. You could go to, you could put your head on your pillow on Saturday night and say, I accomplished that today. I didn't walk over a hundred steps. But can you do that with the Lord's law? I love the Lord with everything that I am today. All my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I accomplished it? No. Or the law says, love your neighbor as yourself. While the Pharisee says, wrap this leather pouch around your arm and pray three times a day. Now, which of these can you do? Which of them can you manage? This, by the way, this love the, your neighbors yourself, uh, probably needs a little excursion. I, I hear people say all the time, uh, Pastor, I have to learn how to love my, uh, how to, how to love myself so that I can love my neighbor. And that's wrong. That's not what Jesus is saying. You do not need to learn how to love yourself. You already know how to love yourself. You, you love yourself without even thinking about it. And here's, and here's maybe the example. If, I, uh, if I'm sitting there watching the Rockies on TV, crying and weeping and watching the Rockies play, and now I get thirsty, uh, I don't even think about it. I just stand up and I go and I get myself something to drink. And I come and sit back down. But if one of my children flesh of my flesh, who I love most dearly in all the world, if one of them says, I'm thirsty, then I say, ugh. And I wait for the commercial. And, and, maybe this is just me. And I drag myself like I'm a slave of Pharaoh to the kitchen to get a drink. And I do. Now, do you, do you, do you see that I do not need to, it's no effort to love myself. And when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, this is what he's saying. That this instinctive care that we have for our own self, this is what we have, we ought to have for our neighbor. Not just for our family, but for everyone. Without even thinking, we give up our own lives to serve them. Now, now here's the law. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And here is the Pharisee. Wrap this pouch around your arm and pray three times a day. Which can you do? And which of these can you manage? You see, the Pharisees had lowered the bar. They had, they had, they had knocked down the standard of the law. And, but, but this is the trick. They didn't lower it too far. You don't want it to be too easy. You, you want the righteousness of the Pharisee to be doable but difficult. You have to devote your whole life to accomplish it. And this is what the Pharisee had done. They could be the keepers of the law while everyone else was judged by it. They could look at themselves and be proud and they could look at everyone else and, and be arrogant. And wherever we find legalism, we find this characteristic. There is a standard that's drawn. It might be difficult, but it is possible. And there are those who are in, and there are those who are out. 
The standard of holiness is used. A standard of righteousness stands there to exclude the unholy and to include the holy and the righteous. Now, we might be tempted to think that this isn't true today in the world, that our culture is so licentious, that there are no rules at all, that anything goes, that everything is tolerated. But when we look closely, we see that there are legalistic standards everywhere around us. In fact, this rule, the rule of tolerance, is perhaps the new holiness. The more tolerant you are, the more righteous you are. And you know that everyone today has their pet cause. And this stands as their way of judging uh, themselves and their neighbors. Who's in and who's out. Who's holy and who's not. A lot of people, sadly, who are outside the church, think that this is how the church is. Some sort of holiness club. Like we come here every Sunday to talk about the rules. How to be holy. And, and, and we also talk about how bad everyone else out there is who doesn't keep these rules that we have. But what an abomination that would be. But we know that this Phariseeism, this setting our own standard of what is righteous and what is not, that this doctrine clings to our sinful flesh. This theology is our native language. The Lord has given His law with the chief purpose of showing us our sin, of accusing us before God, of exposing our sinfulness and the deep, deep corruption of our nature, the wrath of God that we deserve. This is the number one function of the law, to terrify us, to bring us to the end of ourselves. But the devil takes the law and he misuses it so that instead of condemning us, The law is used to justify us. The devil softens the law. He makes it manageable. And the result of this kind of standard, this use of the law, is pride and despair. Pride for those of us on the inside, for those who have kept the law, and despair for those on the outside who have not. Now, the devil tempts all of us in this way. To have our own standard of holiness, and I suppose we have a lot of them. We have a list about what makes us a good Christian. We have a list about what makes us good citizens, what makes us good workers or students, what makes us good members of our families as a husband or a wife or a child, etc. We have a list about what makes us a good person, and we measure ourselves by these lists, and we are either proud or despairing. And we measure our neighbor by these lists. And we are angry or we are envious. And so it is to us, to you, with your lists and your standards of holiness, with your Phariseeism and with your proud little legalisms, it is to us that Jesus comes and preaches these words. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whatever your standard is, it is too low. It is not enough. You are worse than you think you are. 
Do you see here Jesus is raising the standard far above our reach. It is the standard of the holiness of God Himself. The law requires that everything you have and everything you are be poured out in service for your neighbor in the name of God. And anything less means that you are guilty and condemned and deserving of God's wrath. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you will enter this kingdom, it will not be by your work. It will not be by your efforts. It will not be by you living up to whatever standard you've cooked up. It will be accomplished only by another righteousness. In fact, by the righteousness of Christ Himself. And this, dear saints, comes to you not from your doing, from your working and trying and striving, but from His dying and His rising and His forgiving. Paul says that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Did you hear that? By faith, by trusting in the promise of God, by knowing that His death and resurrection was for you, by this God gives to you the very righteousness of Christ, His perfect keeping of the law, His perfect obedience in God's name, His perfect love for the neighbor. Because Jesus is the only one ever to live who could lay his pillow down at night and say, I've accomplished it. I've loved my neighbor with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I've loved my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I've loved my neighbor as myself. He is the one, in fact, who gave his life for you. And this righteousness, the righteousness of your Jesus, is given to your name. It's given to your name when you were baptized. It's given to your name when you hear the absolution. It's given to your name when you hear the gospel preached or when you come to the Lord's table for the body and blood of Jesus. This righteousness is given to you by grace. So Jesus is attacking us in this text. He's attacking the illusion of your righteousness so that there would be space in your conscience for something better, for something greater, for Jesus Himself. So that His righteousness, His keeping of the law, His perfect life and death, His blood and His perfection and His holiness would be given to you. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear saints, you have this exceeding righteousness because you have Christ and because He has you. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.